Hey everyone, welcome to the Basically Bookish podcast. I'm Abby. And I'm Ashley. And we're going to be chatting all things bookish. This is episode 27 of the Basically Bookish podcast. And today we're going to be talking about fantasy and Christian fiction. And we have a guest today, um, Morgan Bussey, which I just learned how to pronounce your last name correctly is here with us. So welcome. Thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. Hey, let's just out ourselves now, Abby. <laughs> Confession. We, we are total newbies to the fantasy world. You are our first and favorite exposure. So you're, you're the reason we're having this discussion. <laughs> I'm I'm bringing more people over to my side (laughs) yeah I mean I don't read fantasy like at all and Ashley like pulled my pulled my hand and told me to read these ones and it's pretty much the only fantasy I've enjoyed so it's a high bar (laughs) yeah I I feel like back when I read um the first Ravenwood saga book I Actually, I didn't read the first. Well, I signed up for a launch team for the second book, not having read the first one. I don't know why. <laughs> it makes sense to me now. Like, why would I do that? But they sent me a copy of the first one digitally for free and basically to get caught up. And I I was reading it and it was kind of like, well, now I'm forced to read this for review because I was scared. Um, and then I loved it. And I was so glad I signed up for the second one. So, but I was very terrified to dip my toe in the fantasy pond. Um, Is that something that you hear a lot from readers who don't freak with the genre? Yeah. That they have kind of a fear of the unknown, I guess? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, Just, if you, well, one, if you're not used to it, um, and I was talking with someone about this the other day. Um, in some ways, fantasy takes and science fiction takes a little more um, thinking and involvement of the reader. And uh-huh. that can scare some people because they just want to read about the familiar and just just be able to just dive into it. But um, in order to read fantasy and science fiction, you have to engage more as a reader. Some people are a little nervous about engaging more than more of themselves into the reading. Yeah. So, yeah, and especially, um, and I don't know if this will come up in the podcast, but especially if you're a, a Christian reader, um, there's so much, so many, so many thoughts and um, questions yeah. about even fantasy and science fiction, if it could even be written from a Christian worldview. So I get a lot. I feel like... Um this was one of my questions that I had, like, do the faith elements naturally happen as you develop a story? Or do you have to work more to kind of cohesively weave them into, you know, where they work with the fantasy elements? Because I I said in a previous podcast that we did, we were talking about faith in fiction. And um, <laughs> your I said like the conversion of your characters in the Ravenwood saga was one of the most impactful that I've seen written in all of the books that I've read that have any kind of like coming to faith. And it wasn't something that it was super overt as far as like, 
you know, it was more allegorical, I guess, because you're talking about, you know, the dark lady and things like that. But um, I found it super impactful and it, it was kind of woven in there. It wasn't like slapping you in the face as much as say someone who's like, you know, putting a character in a position where, you know, they listen to a sermon and then come to Christ. (laughs) Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. So for me, um, the faith element is always there. I think it's partly because when I write books, I'm always asking questions about God and each of it's funny how we do their own spiritual journey to figure out who they are. And eventually they figure out who they are and who God is and how that works together. Um, and I think I, I based some of it on my own, um, coming to Christ. I never prayed a sinner's prayer. I never, um, I didn't, all I remember when I came to Christ was I was in sixth grade and I had went through uh, my parents' divorce and, um, my grandmother who I'd been close to had passed away from, from, with cancer. And there was something inside of me that knew that God was real. I'd always believed that, um, as much as. Um, I believed anything else, um, but I remember telling him I didn't want him to be a part of my life because I was so hurt and I couldn't understand how God could let things like death and divorce happen. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I just remember it was in sixth grade and I had to watch my brothers and sisters and I took him to a vacation Bible school and I was too old to be there. I was the, you know, solo uh, (laughs) teenager sitting in the back and (laughs) And I, I've, I had always, I grew up in church. So I'd always heard about the cross and the gospel and stuff like that. And I don't know why I couldn't tell you what the guy said. I just remember I decided I was going to give my life to Christ. I didn't, like I said, I didn't pray anything. I didn't, it was just one moment I was who I was. And then some, it was like God grabbed me by the collar and said, okay, girl, we're going this way. And I remember going home that night and I had so much joy in my heart. never had that before. And I knew God started changing me because um, I'm a pretty passionate person. And when I was young, I had quite a bit of a temper. (laughs) And I remember my mom saying a couple of months later, wow, you haven't lost your temper and you're so patient now. And I went, wow, God's, this God must be real because he's changing me. (laughs) And so I, I, for me, um, my belief is is ultimately that God's the one that grabs a hold of us. Uh-huh. There's that moment when it's like a key and God unlocks a person's heart. And it's it's usually in the most quietest way I find. It's not a bunch of trumpets and 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 light and it's it's usually in the most quietest moment and then we take that one step over the line and said, I'm yours now. And that's how I want to portray because people are searching for God in different ways. And I love exploring that with all my different characters. Yeah. But then there's that moment where they're like, I don't want what I've had from this point back. I want to move into something new forward. Is that that tiny step of faith that God just planted a little seed of life and now it's starting to grow and sprout. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you can see that in at least the series that I've read in those characters, I definitely think that that comes through. Is it tricky to balance the world building with the character development within fantasy? Because I know you have to kind of focus on both. Um, I don't, I'm not sure because I, this is all I've ever known how to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I, I, um, I tell people I never wanted to be a writer and I never did. I didn't know what that meant. I thought authors were just like these fairies that lived in far off lands who wrote amazing books that I got to read when I was a kid. <laughs> I didn't know they were real people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, you know, because I never really met any authors. Um, and even when I became an adult, I was still a, a huge avid reader, but it wasn't something that I thought about doing. However, I do know uh, as far as I can ever remember, I was always playing pretend with my brother and sisters. Hey, today, let's pretend, blah, blah, blah. And I came up with a huge story that we would pretend. And it would be so real to me. I could see the world that I had built that we were pretending in. And when I became an adult, I just unlocked that imagination I had as a kid. And now I write stories and I said, I want to bring the reader on a journey. Today we're going to pretend that we are, um, I'm trying to think of it. Well, for my latest book, let's pretend that we can't go off the mountaintops because there is a mist that is all over the valleys. And if we go in the mist, it, it, the little squirrels, um turn us into undead. So we can't go down there. Oh, and let's pretend that everyone can travel from one island to another on an airship. And <laughs> so that's what I start to do. And then I have a character. And so um, then I'm like, okay, and then this character, well, what does she have for a job? Oh, I know. I'm going to have her be able to glide because that'd be really cool. And we're going to glide down into the mist. And so that I, I'm just pretending I'm an adult who's saying, hey, reader, let's pretend. Then I also get serious in it because these people start to, I bring in a lot of the stuff I've learned as an adult that life isn't always easy and yeah. there's things that make you cry and things that hurt and when you lose people you love. And so I bring all of that into my stories too. So I have both the childlike, let's pretend and think of really cool things that we can do today. And then there's a, the adult side of me that says, but I also want to, I want to connect with you reader because I want to talk about things I've been through and how I can encourage you because I've been there and my character is going to go through this and we're going to go through this together and find God. So. Yeah. So it kind of happens simultaneously, I guess. It does. I, I, because if you were to ask me, I probably come up with the character first, but I see them in a scene and then I start to say, okay, how did you get here? What happened to you? And where are you going to go next? And then I start pretending, oh, but this would be a really cool world. And then I start to, um, I, I have notebooks of where I start taking notes of of what maybe the um, architecture looks like and how do they travel and what it what would it feel like to live in their world. And then I start to ask the, my character, who are you? Where did you come from? What was what was your child look, uh, you know, childhood look like? Yeah. What was your family? What are your hopes and dreams? What's what what's wrong with you inside that you need to overcome? So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, okay, this one is going to be a little bit more, um, I don't want to say fun, like the others weren't fun, but <laughs> hey, if you could dive into the world of one of your books, which would it be and why that one? Um, I, for me, it would probably be the first, uh, first series I wrote. It's called Follower of the Word, the first book, Daughter of Light. And I really love that world. Um, I'm hoping to visit it again, um, simply because I spent so many years in that world. It has, um, beautiful mountaintops and one of the cities is actually built into the mountain. Mm -hmm. Um, it has the Northern wastelands that I always imagine is like, um, just, ice and snow and people that live in that rugged area all the way to the south where you have the desert 
um, people and their culture. And so I just love the vast variety of that world. And I think it's because I spent the most time in that world. So I, I have those books. I'm planning to binge read them, but I want to read them like back to back to back. But they were tricky to get my hands on for a while. They they didn't have the print books for a while, or at least one of them. It was like the holy grail to find it. <laughs> yeah, Daughter of Light tends to sell out pretty fast. And then um, in the internal mechanism, um, we changed printers, which meant we had to turn off the printing with one printer yeah. and then move on to the other printer and start that up going again. So there was a little bit of a break. I'm pretty sure that's when I decided I had to have the book and I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> and it was ridiculous. I was like, it just became an obsession that I needed it just for the sake of having it, probably because I couldn't. And I ended up, I think I, you actually, like I purchased it from you and you sent it to me is how I actually got it. I'm sure you can find yeah. it everywhere now. Yeah. I, yeah. I am all out myself. So I have to, I have to discipline <laughs> <support> myself. <laughs> I mean, I feel like, you know, it's popular if you can't keep your hands on it, right? Yeah, that's that's what I like to think. <laughs> okay, if you could choose one gift from the Ravenwood saga, like the house gifts, which one would you want? Oh, that's hard. I, I know what I don't want the Dreamwalking gift. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hard. Um, it was interesting to write about. I think either I'd want Damien's um, ability to manipulate water or um, I like um, Lady Brian's ability to uh, her courage. And I don't know if you remember from the third book spoilers, anyone who hasn't read the books, because uh, <laughs> their gift is dying, it's dying out, but she's able to give courage to other people. And they're just naturally courageous people. And I thought that was, that was such a cool thing that when you see people who need courage to to do the right thing or to help others, you can give it to them. So, yeah, I feel like a very impactful gift that I don't know. I would hate to see that die out because it was like a small thing that becomes big, I guess. Yeah. Used properly. Um, yeah. Okay. Do you read fantasy yourself? Yes. So um, as long as I can remember, that's always been my favorite genre as a little girl next to my mysteries, you know, Nancy Drew and all that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I was always, always reading um, fantasy and then coming up with my own fantasy. Like I said, I didn't grow up wanting to be an author. If you were to ask my six-year-old self what I wanted to be, I wanted to be a unicorn. <laughs> and I now that um, now that I'm, my hair is starting to get some white patches in it, they're, they're like silver streaks. It actually looks really pretty. My, my hairdresser is jealous. I said, I'm turning into a unicorn. Finally, it's happening. <laughs> it's finally coming it's true. Happening. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I've um, always loved fantasy. Still read it today. What would you say to people who, like, haven't, I don't know, like, I, here's, here was, I was misinformed, I guess, about fantasy. I had the wrong idea and I still don't read a ton of it. I would say apparently there's different levels like light fantasy or I didn't know this, but um, what would you say to people that, you know, haven't really dove into the genre? I mean, well, because I, I just, 
I can't even like convince my book club usually to pick up the Ravenwood saga. My sisters read it. They loved it, but they're afraid of it. And I'm like, no, but the story is so great. Um, How do you like convince people to dive in? Well, there's a couple ways is um, like you want to have them dive into Lord of the Rings because that's pretty heavy (laughs) um, fantasy (laughs) with a lot of um, fantasy stuff. Um, I'm I'm thinking here because I mine is kind of middle where I try to make it feel as feel real in a different world. I don't have a lot of um, like I don't have elves or or um, unicorns or or uh, the usual um, fantasy fair because I wanted to be able to have people engage in the story, especially people who would not usually read fantasy. uh, sometimes uh, now here's a here is a um, trend I see happening right now in Christian fiction. I think that could start being a bridge to that, and it's called the um, dual time or time travel fiction. I've been seeing a lot of these happening where a woman lives in one time period, but she visits another time period. I, well, Outlander is an example of that, but uh, I've been seeing a lot of Christian books that have just been offered contracts. Like there's this one that she lives in our time period, but when she goes to sleep, she visits the revolution and lives as a different woman. So every time she falls asleep in one time period, she wakes up at the other time period. And soon she's going to have to figure out which time period she's going to live in. And apparently she has a mark and her family has this mark that shows that they're these time jumpers or whatever they're called. Um, that's fantasy, people. That's fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> How is that that's considered um, probably surreal or realistic fantasy or historical fantasy, but that is fantasy. Um, and I, I've been seeing a lot of those starting to pop up in a lot of the Christian fiction areas. And and I think people will read those and then you can say, hey, it's just that's exactly what I'm reading, except mine just takes place completely in a different world. And it's... Um, and I think also yeah. what they're kind of scared about also is because in the church, we're always, at least I was taught, I was raised very conservative, um, that fantasy is bad. So just, right. um, my parents were divorced. My mom was very conservative, no wizards, no fantasy. Right. No, she was fine with my unicorns and she bought <laughs> me my little ponies. My dad, on the other hand, was a huge, he was a huge nerd before being a nerd was cool. <laughs> you know, he was the one that read all the stuff, Dune and Lord of the Rings and Jules Verne and Conan and everything. Dad read everything and watched all the shows. So when I went to dad's house, dad was one, my dad was the one that introduced me to The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And I just absolutely fell in love. And I loved going to dad's house because then I could also look at fairies and stuff. <laughs> And honestly, that dichotomy, I really, I I couldn't figure out which one I was supposed to be. Am I supposed to follow mob? And this is all actually bad. And the Bible says you're not supposed to have anything to do with this. Or is it okay to have an imagination? And it was, that's a, that was a huge journey of mine. And I came to the place that um, it depends on how you build your world. And my world is always built on that either God gave you the gift or it's a genetic People are just born with this and it's the choices they make on what they do with it. Um, And then I realized, so then I could use my imagination to say, well, what if God gave you the ability to do this? Well, then you have a good, you have a great responsibility. Like if you could heal people, what are you going to do with it? 
You know, are you only going to heal for money? Are you only going to heal your friends? But what if it means healing people, you have to take on whatever you heal them from, like a broken bone. That's not going to feel good. Are you going to keep it to yourself? You know, so then that raises all the questions. And then I and then I could imagine the character going, okay, then God, why did you give me this gift? You know, and I think they learn through that. They learn more about God because God heals us too. And in many ways, he took on our sin and stuff. And so now you can see how I weave my faith and weave my imagination together into a story. Yeah. So yeah, it could be a little scary to, to step out of your books of things you already know about. I mean, everyone knows what a Starbucks is and everyone <laughs> knows the war and um, a car and the radio. Um, and it can be a little scary to step into a world that you don't know anything about. You don't know the name of that city because it doesn't exist. You don't know yeah. that country because it doesn't exist. You don't know what it would be like to have that ability because that doesn't exist in our world. Right. I think some people have forgotten how to play pretend. Um, another friend of mine was saying that children who are not exposed to anything fantasy by the age of 12 have a very hard time imagining after that in their life. That's so sad. I was like, oh, wow, that is, that's terrible. My kids are definitely not that. <laughs> They're well exposed. Pretending <laughs> around my house. But, um, and I realized that could be true. And that might be another reason, especially with my generation of Christians who probably grew up that that was a no-no. Yeah. No. So. Yeah. Um, Abby, what do you think your biggest, like, um, I don't want to say fear, but like drawback is to picking up a fantasy book. If you know, if you're like not sure, why would that be? Cause I know yeah. we both have struggled <laughs> with this before. Yeah. I think it's a lot of like Morgan, what you're talking about. Like, my brain doesn't picture things well and like I'm a very realist type person so it's almost too much for my brain to like process all of the fantasy elements which is what I loved about like your books was there was a lot of realism mixed with it and so I I was able to like not have my brain explode trying to imagine everything Mm-hmm. and could also enjoy the story with like the some elements and like things like historical fantasy that's like I can do that a little bit more because I can, I have something I can grasp that I'm like I know what this is so I feel like if I read something I have to have that like bit of reality in there otherwise it hurts my brain and I just can't <laughs> Yeah, you brought up a good point because I had someone else ask me about that. And what I like to do for my readers is is create an anchor. They need to be able to hold on to this world and then start to picture the other world. But it's familiar enough that, like, one thing is I don't have a lot of weird names. I try not to do that. Um, Thank because you. <laughs> we appreciate that. Really hard to um, remember. Or um, I don't need uh, one. Um, oh, um, geez. The guy who wrote Ender's Game, Scott, Orson Scott Card. I, I think I'm mixing up his name. Um, he, <laughs> his, his writing advice is if it's bread, call it bread. Don't name it something else. <laughs> and I've always taken that to heart not to name everything weird stuff. Yeah, because I know that my readers are already trying to keep up with the names I've already put in there. And so if it's bread or it's a dog or it's a horse or 
said wyverns, and I specifically yes. chose wyverns because they're not dragons. Um, there is a huge difference, and I can go into the scientific, you know, geekiness <laughs> over that. <laughs> and I thought dragons have a bad connotation in the Christian circles. So I thought I'm going to go with something that most people aren't very familiar with, but it still is cool. They don't breathe fire, though. <laughs> So they just flying lizards. That's all they are. <laughs> Here's my question off of that. Um, would you ever do a series based on um, the people of that land? I would love to. I actually have um, something. So as far as um, sequels and stuff, that depends on the publishing house that I have published with and if they would be interested in that or not, or if they want to give me my rights back on that world. Oh. So it would be up to Bethany House if they would be interested. I do have a three book series that I've already planned out in my head. If they ever gave me the go ahead, that would follow the next generation. Oh, yes. Who do we call? Who do we <laughs> How do we get this happen? This? So I'll be talking to my agent. Oh, I'm man. finishing the second book in my steampunk series right now. And then I'm seeing him in August. And that's when we'll be talking about what, what do I write next? And so I'm going to be bringing up a bunch of different ideas and I'll kind of see what he thinks of that one. Or um, depending on how the rights are done, if Enclave would want to do it or if Bethany Woodhouse would want to do it. But I also have the sequel to my Follow the Word as a possible series coming up too. So... Oh, and I have a lot of people have been waiting for that one for a year. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Actually, it's a prequel, excuse me, prequel. So, oh, yeah, I, I, I will never run out of book ideas. I have so many. <laughs> yeah, I bet. The, they were just like, oh, how do you say them? Wy wyverns? Wyverns. Wyverns. When they came on the scene, I was like, this is so interesting. And I'm not usually one to get hung up on um stuff that's not just presented to me <laughs> I don't usually like take an idea and run with it I'm not that creative um but it was something that I'm like you could you could really like explore this um mm -hmm. they were memorable yeah they were memorable um what are your thoughts about covers for fantasy books do you think that they have to tell a bit of the story on the cover or do they simply have to be eye-catching, like for your taste, I guess. Oh. There's no right or wrong, but um, for me, they have to be beautiful. They have to. Be, I, I am a, I am a cover snob. I am so <laughs> blessed that I love all of my covers. Um, but it's interesting you say that because all my covers have always featured the main character until my latest mm -hmm. series. Um, my new steampunk series does not have the character on it. It kind of has the world and a steampunk flavor to it, which is interesting it's because- so cool looking. Like, yeah. It's so good. It and this one is definitely high adventure. And okay. I think it will appeal a lot to young men. Um, I think all my women readers are gonna really love it too, but this is, um, so I have a really spunky heroine who's a tomboy who's living on the streets. You've got airships, you've got the undead, you've got, scientific experiments going wrong, you've got political intrigue going on. And um, I think that it was a really good choice on my publisher's part to go with the cover they did because I think putting a woman on the cover would have been kind of a turnoff. Um, yeah. It does with some guys. Um, and I think this way it, it shows more open to whatever reader wants to go on an adventure. Okay, you said that it features the undead. There's a rumor going around that your book has zombies. Like, 
Okay. What, what do you say about this? And as it like pertains to like, I don't know, probably the more Christian fiction readers who are like, I'm not reading it if it has a zombie. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't call them zombies. I, I really don't care, but like someone will say that. Yes. So it's te- they're technically not zombies. Um, so basically okay. what it is. And um, so in this world, and I wanted to put some twists on it. Um, whenever I write steampunk, I try to stay very close to actual real science as much as I can. Um, I try to stay with 18th century science because I pretend it's in our world as if it was in our world for the most part. Um, so when I created, um, and the book's called Secrets in the Mist, um, I asked, I had a war happen between two nations. And in order to stop the war, a pacifist scientist who didn't want the war and didn't want to kill people created a a, um, a type of um, gas that they were going to release and it would knock the other um, side out and then they could capture that side and then they would bring them back but now they're prisoners of war and they could stop the war yay pacifist way no one dies well it's a really bad turn and actually what the spores did, what they did is they bioengineered these spores um actually took over the human body to basically use the body as i i'm just giving you I, I don't go into much detail because trust me, when um, Steve Lobby was looking at this book, he's like, I don't do zombies. I never thought I'd do a zombie book. And I said, let me just show you what it is because there's no grossness. No, I didn't want any of that. This is adventure. But <laughs> <laughs> so basically the spores take over the kill the human and use the body as a way to move around and to populate and to spread across the world. So, um, so the human, they're dead. They're not there anywhere. It's just a husk being moved by these spores that live inside the human body. So we call them turned because they've been turned from a human into a, and as you read the story, I wanted to bring empathy to what's happened to these people. So I also had, if you, if every, if all of humanity has been credited on mountaintops and sky islands and airships, there's not a lot of room. So I had to solve the problems of where do people get food? What do you do about overpopulation? So one of the ways that they deal with overpopulation is basically people are shoved off the mountain into the mist. The poor people, because they're the ones at the bottom of the mountain. And it's called purging. And so my main character has been escaping purges and she lost her parents to a purge. And so she has very, very strong views on people who live higher up in the mountain and those that live along the dead zone, which is where she's from. So I wanted to get into some of those thoughts, but it's not, not zombies eating brains or (laughs) walking dead, or it's actually very, very scientific (laughs) and there'll be a scientific answer. (laughs) So I actually worked with a, um, I worked with a a biologist who helped me with the science part of this. I really wanted to make it as close to, um, reality as I could. Um, and I wanted to bring empathy to this world and um, ask, you know, how, what would you feel about any of this and what would this world feel like and losing people to this type of purge and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, it sounds interesting to me. Yeah, it definitely, <laughs> that, that sounds very, inter- like, I was very like the zombie idea, like when I heard possibly zombies, I was like, I might be out here, but that's, that makes a little bit more like, okay, maybe we could do that. 
at the end of the day, if there is a really compelling story inside a book that really grips you as a reader, um, some of those details that you think might be too much for you to handle kind of fade away as you get kind of sucked into the zone of the story. So that's why I'm always like, just give it a try. And usually if I'm like, read this fantasy book, like, you know, it's good because I'm not one who's well-versed. Yeah, I feel like the first time I sat down and I read the Ravenwood saga, I went through all of the emotions because it was my first fantasy book. And so when I opened it up, I was like, okay, okay. And then I was like, she's turning into a bird and I don't know what's happening. And then check back with me several hours later. And I was like, it's amazing. And Abby's like, but you said she turned into a bird. And I was like, you just don't know. You just don't know. Just read it. Well, that's the thing. When I try to explain my stories, I'm like, this was, but then you got to read it. Cause <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I can't explain to you in a paragraph what's going to happen in 300 pages. So. Well, and you also can't evoke the emotions that you'll have as you take that journey with the character from like the start to the finish of something. So while you might be reading something that you never thought you'd read or like it's very outside of your norm, like you may be very connected to that character in a way that you're so invested. There's no way you're not finishing it. And then when you're done, you've gone through the whole experience and you're just like, no, that was really good. Yeah. yeah. You feel like they can be a friend That's or how- something. Yeah, for sure. Like I really felt all of those emotions from Celine from the start to the finish of that. I was so nervous in the last book. I was like, I am messaging her if this doesn't go the way that I think it does. Because if someone dies, I, I can't. <laughs> We're going to have some I more. Can't. Okay, Abby, what would you say your biggest surprise was after reading Morgan's uh, fantasy series, The Ravenwood? I don't know. A big, I mean, just the fact that I enjoyed them was a big, like, not just enjoyed them, but like actually loved them because, I mean, you can ask anybody. I was so like, not going to do it, not going to do it, not going to do it. And Ashley kept like begging me. She finally, she told me if I liked the first one, she'd buy the second one for me. And I was like, I finished the first one and I was like, order the second one now. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, I think the fact that, like, I could enjoy it without, like, getting so lost and confused in the fantasy elements, it, I mean, it was definitely a good surprise. (laughs) That's my goal. That's my goal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you succeeded. Yay! (laughs) I feel like I always try to tell, I mean, I feel like word of mouth, at least for, for me, with the people that haven't read a lot of fantasy, which I include myself in that, I think word of mouth and a recommendation from, uh, you know, like a reader that you trust goes a long way yeah. because I think book blurbs are still going to scare people. It doesn't matter how great they are because, again, like you're diving into the unknown. Even when you're reading the back of that cover, it's like, what? But I'm like, I really think like if you've read a fantasy book and you've loved it, like you should just share about it because I think that that's the only way that people like us who are scared are going to kind of take that chance I don't know no that's a good point yeah I'm like you just got to do it you got to force your friends to read it (laughs) by bribery (laughs) 
which I'm like, you know, it shouldn't have to be that way, I guess. But we're so set in our reading ways sometimes um, that I think it just people tend to stick with what they're they're comfortable mm-hmm. with. And then you might miss out on a good book. Yes. So, yeah. Your next book is coming out. This August. August. Okay. Yeah. With Enclave? Yep. And it has an amazing yes. cover. And I'm almost done writing book two, so y'all don't have to worry. It will finish. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out in August. And then, um, is it? How long of a release before the second one? Is it like a year? Or is it more? Yeah, than a Enclave year? does year. So the next book will come out August okay. of 2022, which actually is great for me, just because, like I shared, um, <laughs> I'm trying to get all my kids ready to launch out of the nest and go to college. And so I have been so like right now, I'm teaching one kid to drive, getting one kid. Oh. We've finally all done the financial stuff. Thank God we got money for college. The other one's visiting a college. Um, then we got a high school graduation going on. And so, yeah, I'm super busy, but I still try to write a little bit every day. And um, that kind of keeps me sane. <laughs> yeah. So can we expect a cliffhanger at the end of the book? Because I feel like you kind of I'm, I'm guilty. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I try to wrap up whatever story I was trying to tell in that, but I will always make it so that you have to read the next book. I do appreciate that because um, at the end of Mark of the Raven, it was epically like cliffhanger-ish, but not in a way that I felt distressed. I was just anxious for the next chapter of the story but I didn't feel like I was going to like not sleep for days because I was so anxiety ridden about the characters um and that's that's the way I like a cliffhanger if I'm gonna have one because I don't I feel like sometimes it's kind of mean when you leave someone dangling off a cliff or something but when you're you know you make it very easy for the reader to anticipate what's coming that yeah like. yeah you want the closing of one chapter and the opening of another one tantalizing saying come on keep reading <laughs> yeah I felt that with with the second book as well it was kind of like it's fine but then the last scene and you're like oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so maybe a cliffhanger coming up Good okay. to know. I'll, I'll just tell you what my editor said when he was reading. He's like, she's not going to do that. She's not going <laughs> to. She did it. And no. <laughs> he's like, I could, I, I knew I, I kept going. She's, she's going to do no way. And I did it. And he's like, Oh, well, where's the next book? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it sounds like we'll be a little bit more, um, anxiety written huh? <laughs> it's about the same like I said I want to wrap up the story I was telling in that book but I want you to go okay I've got to read the next one because there's more to the story I was very happy with this one but I like these characters so much that I need to know what happens next <laughs> how do they handle like the blurb on the back of a of a of following book without doing spoilers after a cliffhanger on the first like is that easily done or 
I guess it depends on the situation. I'm the one but... that writes the blurbs. So <laughs> Okay. So you can kind of show what you want. And That's not... usually what I try to do. Okay. If, 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 yeah, I try to craft it in such a way that maybe I'll, at what's coming because that's the best way to write the blurb um but I'm not going to tell you what happened interesting well um thank you for coming on and talking to us newbie <laughs> fantasy readers yes thank you <laughs> oh it was my pleasure um I love introducing people to my favorite genre I mean it it has been a good reading experience with your books and after reading them I have read a few more fantasy books so I feel like it was definitely a good experience and um yeah I I'm excited for what's coming but maybe not for that <laughs> <container. laughs> uh, but thank you for coming on we appreciate you talking to us thank you for having me it was it was really fun to chat with you guys yeah. today Thank you for joining us today we hope you enjoyed this episode you can find us on instagram at basically bookish podcast hope you have a great day and we'll chat with you next time